AMFM News Center. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Money Talk. I'm Neil Kreisel and Diane Duver and I are your hosts every week right here on AM 1290 on FM 96.9 and streaming on AM 1290 KZSB. And we're repeated at 11 and Saturdays at 6. We're brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending, whose highly trained and experienced team takes great pride in helping people with home financing, offering competitive rates and a wide array of loan programs. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people in Santa Barbara at Figueroa and Anacapa Streets and at Montecito's Upper Village. And Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm in Santa Barbara, providing its clients with a personal care and attention of a small independent firm coupled with the vast resources of a major financial institution. And we are thrilled today to have managing partner Joe Weiland from Arlington Financial Advisors with us today. Joe, thanks for being here. Well, thank you for the warm welcome. It's a, it's a treat to see, uh, see you both on Zoom again. Exactly. So, Neil, how are you doing? How was your weekend? I heard you had a fabulous dinner on Friday night. I did. I went to uh, the Santa Barbara Club, uh, which is a club uh, that is um, only for the very, very important people in Santa Barbara. Um, and you know, Joe, uh, was you were there, right? I was there. No, I was there as a guest and, and Joe is a former president of the club. Uh, so, so Joe, is it okay to call you by your first name or Mr. President? What, how do I address you? Uh, it's, it's a dear past president would be a, <laughs> a, a pretty nice way to have it referred to or Joe, whichever, whichever you <laughs> Okay, I think we're going to stick with Joe on this program. <laughs> I knew you. I knew you'd bring me right down, Diane. <laughs> but you know, because uh, Joe is uh, been one of our best guests, uh, he actually has an article, and I think it would be appropriate if he started our show with one of his articles. Oh, okay. Well, this morning, uh, you know, I was up and uh, reading the paper and. And I was entertained. I always like to look at the uh, the, the books that they recommend. And there was one uh, about the importance of numbers. And they start with uh, the idea that apparently uh, it was A&W Root Beer. Uh, A&W Root Beer, they also provide burgers. They, were, they started having a one-third pound burger. And they were competing against the quarter pounder. And apparently half of their loyal uh, customers were disappointed to, to pay the same for a one-third pound burger versus a one-quarter thinking a third was less than a quarter. People don't understand numbers, in other words. And so it, the, the book kind of talks about uh, different ways to use numbers that don't confuse people. Now, I think this might help uh, uh, Diane and Neil. I think this might be helpful for you guys as a financial advisors uh, via radio. Don't, don't go to the numbers. It confuses people. Uh, anyways, it, it said another uh, one way to say uh, to Give an example, an eye-catching comparison. This one's taken the, from a 2018 New York Times article. Uh, among Fortune 500 CEOs, there are more men named James than there are women in the total. It's a way to kind of give you a sense that, wow, there just aren't very many women who are Fortune 500 CEOs. Or uh, you could read that as no women named James, depending upon how you, how you read that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, another uh, 
another can, another one that they mentioned here is that, you know consider how we might describe the world's water 97.5% is salin salinated the other 2.5 is fresh water but 99% of that amount is trapped in glaciers leaving only a small fraction that is actually drinkable so people can't understand that but if you want them to understand it you say let's make it uh, visual imagine a gallon of jug gallon jug filled with water with three ice cubes next to it the jug represents the earth's salt water the ice cubes the glaciers and the drops melting off each well that's what is available for us to drink so that's a good visual it it kind of helps us see it you know the 97.5 percent being salinated i guess that confuses people well it's, it's too abstract for us you know exactly. to actually or grasp what that means Mathy is the term. Speaking, speaking of, of abstract, um, in 1834, uh, de Tocqueville said, as he was going through America, trying to understand what this democracy was all about, he said, the only thing I'm worried about is that in order for that type of democracy to work, you need an educated electorate. And, you know, the article you just uh, read is really the tip of the iceberg. It's not only that people don't understand numbers. There's a lot of things they don't understand, uh, you know, whether it's uh, COVID statistics or, and this leads into an article I have, um, The uh, it's, it's from the Wall Street Journal and it's entitled The Sorcery That's Conjuring Up a 7% Yield. And there are some funds, uh, some uh, exchange traded funds that are offering a 7% dividend. So it seems attractive. Well, when you look past the uh, advertisement, you see that what they're doing is they're doing two things. Number one, they're leveraging. So they're increasing risk by creating leverage. And the second thing they're doing is they're adding some stocks. Uh, so you end up with really some risk and because they're paying out everything in dividends, there's no reinvestment rate. There's no reinvestment going on. So, you know, there are people, uh, you know, this is an article by uh, Jason Swag, our favorite, the author of The Intelligent Investor. And he's saying, you know, people are recommending this as a way of getting a higher yield, but it really is, in a sense, uh, a quite a risky endeavor, not quite as risky as MEM stocks, but certainly not something that uh, I think a lot of people understand. Uh, the they next shouldn't enter into it lightly, you know. Yeah. The, the next article is one that, that was in today's New York Times. It's rather lengthy, but it's very, very, I think, uh, interesting. And um, it begins by saying the Federal Reserve is taking steps to cool off the economy. But uh, the striking thing about this is that bond yields uh, haven't risen. And, um, you know, a conventional uh, presumption was that the demand for bonds would slump unless uh, their yields were high enough to sustain to, to substantially offset the inflation bite that you know investors uh, expect. Uh, 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 but what's really interesting is that the ten-year Treasury bill note is now 1.8 percent, which is roughly what it was when Donald Trump was elected president. That where we had a totally different view of where inflation was going. And you know the article goes into why is this happening, and what they're what they're saying is that um, there is a tremendous demand for U.S. bonds, irrespective of interest rates, 
because people or investors need a safe haven. Uh, and it's not just what happened last two weeks in the stock market. It's that if you look at the world, uh, the U.S. government bond is still the safest place to go. And so anyone looking for anyone who's very risk averse is going to put money. And even if it uh, means investing in a tip where you get a negative yield, it's still, in some people's view, some investors view, uh, a safe thing to do. Um, and, um, uh, you know, one of the uh, points the article makes is that given this current situation, this is a really good time. Uh, to spend money because you're really getting money uh, at, at, at what is really very, very low rates. And, but the other hand, and the risk in this article is that if things ever were to change, it would really uh, unbalance the budget, if you will, because of all the deficits we have, our interest rate payments would really go up. But anyway, the bottom line here is, is that based on history, uh, one would think interest rates would be higher. And the only other explanation for it is that investors don't view the future particularly optimistically. You know, they view that there's going to be not only low inflation uh, down the road, but not much growth. And that could account also for the lower interest rates. Well, and if there is inflation and they're wrong on that, you know, when you look at that, you say, well, locking in your money for 1.8% isn't exactly going to help you buy that gallon of milk at the grocery store. Uh, and the last article uh, I, I brought in is, is this weekend's uh, Jason Swig article, which is talking about the market turbulence over the last several weeks. And he begins by saying in, in a 1963 speech, Benjamin Graham said, in my nearly 50 years of experience in Wall Street, I, I find that I know less and less about what the stock market is going to do, but I know more and more about what investors ought to do. And, you know, basically what uh, he's saying and what the article is uh, dealing with is the human, uh, uh, and this apparently goes back to when we were living in the jungle, the people care more about um, the uh, changes in wealth rather than the level of wealth. And what, what that means is that if you have a pot of wealth um, and it goes uh, down 5%, but it's much more than you thought you'd have, you're still upset. Um, if you don't have enough money to retire, but it goes up 10%, you're happy. And what this sort of human dilemma results in is that people selling at the bottom and, and buying in the wrong time. And uh, it, it's, it's sort of built into our DNA. And you know what Benjamin Graham is saying and what Jason Swig is saying, uh, and this article was written obviously before today's rally, is just, you know, don't think about today, but you know, think about tomorrow. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and 96.9 FM, and we'll be right back. Music 
For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the kellymarshteam.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. It's a fact. Successful wealth management is built on strategies that focus on the big picture, take a long-term view, and establish deep and valued relationships. Hello, I'm Diane Duva, founding partner at Arlington Financial Advisors, Santa Barbara's trusted family guide, empowering you to make more informed and confident decisions. At Arlington Financial Advisors, we bring order and balance to your financial life by monitoring and managing risk so you can focus on your work, family, and enjoying the moment. We are a fully independent firm offering strategic financial planning, estate and tax planning, and private money management. Our plans and portfolios are handcrafted using a rigorous and disciplined approach, supported by a consistent yet highly personalized client experience. Our clients look to Arlington Financial Advisors as a home away from home, a comfortable place to protect what they've accomplished while they prepare for what comes next. Please visit ArlingtonFinancialAdvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 805-699-7300. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending. Since 1988, a mortgage banker and direct lender that believes in providing in-depth loan consulting to its customers in a personalized and honest manner. And we can be reached at 805-564-1290, or you could email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. If you're just joining us, we have Joe Weiland, one of the founding partners and managing partner of Arlington Financial Advisors on the show with us. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you, Diane. It's really a pleasure to be here. It's been a while. I know. So what's been going on? I, I think I uh, I think last time we had you on was the beginning of 2020. Is that right? Or the end of 2020? Let's let's just say it's been so long ago that if 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 they thought they'd have four or five percent inflation back then, they'd everybody been jumping up and down and they're and, and hooting to the sky, worried about how, you know, back then people were worried, why do we only have one percent inflation? Why can't we get this thing up and running? Why can't we Get a little growth in our economy, and now, now we've got that inflation, and people are terrified. Kind of interesting. So let's talk a little bit um, about inflation. Break down inflation to the average person, and what should we know about it? Well, that's a good question. You know, uh, in, inflation, simply stated, is um, it's it's the rise in in cost of products, goods, and services within the economy. Another way of saying it is the devaluation of the currency. You know, your currency is worth a little bit less because it buys less year by year. Uh, people say, what, what causes inflation? Um, historically, in the 70s, it was too many dollars chasing too few goods was the old term. 
Now, that's kind of the inflation that we seem to have here. There's, there's another type of inflation, and that is this type you see in Greece or in Italy before they became, got on the Euro standard. That's uh, when they would, their, their currency would become devalued because the country would borrow too much and they, they, uh, the only way to pay back their loans is to devalue their, their currency. That's the, the Argentinian model, let's call it. Um, but, but here, it just appears that uh, we've got an inflation where there's too many people with money right now, and there's not enough things available for those people to buy. So people are kind of bidding against each other and, and prices are rising for that reason. And one, uh, and one of the elements here is not just what are the technical causes of inflation, but inflation expectations. And to the extent that people believe inflation is going to happen, it doesn't really matter whether it happens or not. It, 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 it creates an inflationary sort of dynamic. It's, it's true. Um, in Brazil, uh, if you ever, uh, if you know the, the term for the currency in Brazil, it's called the real, which is, you know, Portuguese for real. And Brazil was going through an enormous uh, bout of this hyperinflation, where a loaf of bread was, you know, two hundred dollars, you know, two hundred dollars today. Then the next day it was two ten, and it was two thirty. Then two seventy. By the end of the week, it was three hundred. You should have bought it on Monday. They the they had some economists that said, well, let's let's try this. You know, they tried everything they could, and they couldn't stop this inflation. They finally put uh, two prices on everything. They had the current price and the current currency, and then they had a second price in real or the real price. And the real price would never change. Okay, but it was there, and they people would see the real price and the, their their current price. And after a while, they said, we're going to switch over to the real price on X date. So say March 1st. And people got used to that steady price not changing. We're going to switch over to reals on that day. And they did. And inflation literally went away in Brazil based upon that change, based upon that elimination of the expectation of change. So I think, Neil, you're right about that. That is, it, it does make its own weather to some degree. So, so as for the average person living in Santa Barbara right now, and when I say average, I don't mean the new people moving to town with their $5 million in cash, burning a hole in their pocket to buy a house. <laughs> Whoever they may what, be. What should people be concerned with? Well, I always like to say that one of the great parts about living in Santa Barbara is when you go to Manhattan, everything seems reasonably priced. So we're already used to spending a little bit more than the average. Uh, uh, for for our, our goods and services and even groceries. But when you think about that, when you think about a 5% inflation on your groceries, it's not as impactful in your life as you might think. If you've got a stable place to live, you've got a stable rent, you've got, you know, a lot of your expenses are fixed. And that uh, amount of inflation of this, you know, one year or two years of, of three to 7% inflation is probably not going to change your life too much. Um, one of the things that's interesting is is Social Security. If you were on Social Security, you know this already. Um, I think the adjustment was five point seven percent. I'm I'm kind of pulling that out of the air, but I know it was north yeah, of five. I thought, I thought it was either between five point seven or five, I thought it was five point nine percent. Neil, you could talk in real terms. No, I I I, I have no January. I have no idea. I'm not old enough. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew this was a comedy show? <laughs> 
but I hear it was 7%. I don't know if that's true or not. I think it's, uh, yeah, it, it's at five, seven, five, nine. I think that's somewhere in there. And uh, that's where the positive side of inflation is you get uh, your, your social security checks go up for the first time in uh, recent memory. Yeah, you know, what's really interesting. What's, what's interesting about, you know, we, what, what we talk about in terms of the politics of today, when social security was introduced, there was talk about we're becoming a communist country. You know, and now, you know, Social Security is just, you know, part of life in America. And so, you know, things, people get used to things. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like that person during the 2016 campaign for president saying, you know, the government's got to keep their hands off my Medicare. Right. I, I, <laughs> I like that being my favorite quote from the 2016 campaign. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. So, aside from inflation, what's what's something else facing the economy that um, that people could could better understand? Well, I I think the change of the Fed. There's a fundamental shift that they're going to undergo over the next uh, three to to three months to two years where they've been very accommodating. They've been keeping interest rates very low and they've been actually literally buying bonds to keep interest rates, longer term interest rates low. Uh, one of the things people don't understand about the Federal Reserve is, you know, when they set quote unquote set interest rates, they're setting the interest rates for an overnight rate. They're not setting the two year and five year and seven year uh, interest rates. That's been done by the market. They've actually been intervening in that market by buying bonds. What do they do with these bonds? They put them on their balance sheet. Uh, that's a little bit of the black magic part of the economy that we're not gonna go into too much detail on. Uh, going back to my numbers uh, conversation earlier would confuse people. But as we go to a less uh, accommodating or a less pressure down on interest rates, that's gonna change you know, it might cause um, mortgages to go from the three and a half percent rate that we see today to maybe four and a half percent, five percent. That might cause housing prices to stop rising, which I think uh, most of us in Santa Barbara would like to see a little breather in that. Uh, it might cause cars to become more expensive. Anything that you use financing to get might become slightly more expensive, which the design is if, if you have fewer people buying these things because they're more expensive, that would settle down the inflationary pressures. So, so it, I think one of the things when you ask a question like that, all roads ride, run back to inflation right now in our economy. You know, what's the inflation number going to be? Because that will have impact on the interest rates. But, you know, one of the things that's really happened this time around, and we talk about inflation in terms of the price of fuel, or the price of a, of, of a quart of milk, but with essentially free money for investors with the Fed's uh, intervention the last uh, several years, um, it was very easy to invest in, in assets. And so asset prices have risen dramatically. And, and you know, the, the, the risk here is that there is a, a bubble once the spigot's turned off. Uh, if people were making investments, you know, whether it's SPACs or someplace where they just had so much money, they didn't know what to do with it, so they'd buy anything. And, you know, that could cause uh, a decline in asset values, which is, you know, gets back to wealth and the wealth effect. And that could have a really interesting impact on how people view their world. 
you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back. For prospective home buyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the Kelly Marsh team.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service every day, every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us! American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. The NLS Braille and Audio Reading Download Service gives patrons with visual impairments or physical limitations the freedom to read their way. BARD is this beautiful web-based program for searching for books and for the ability to download them. It's a great way to have a book with you without carrying a book. For information about the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped Library of Congress, visit loc.gov slash thatallmayread. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. So, Joe, before the break, we were talking about inflation and, and where, we're, where it's going. Well, can you talk a little bit about how the market is shaping up this year in terms of value in growth stocks and what that looks like? Well, it's been... Uh, it, it... Some people would say it's been a sea change. You know, growth stocks have been very strong over the last, uh, well, I'm going to say since uh, 2011, 12, something like that. And value stocks have been kind of been on the sidelines. This last year, though, that's kind of changed. It appears that value has been rebounding and growth stocks have uh, fallen aside. Now, Apple's earnings on Friday might, of course, have changed all that again uh, with more anticipation of growth, growth doing a little bit better. Boy, you know, the market is, uh, I, I always hate to say what's going to happen in the next three to six months, because every single day it seems to want to have its own new, new opinion on what it's going to do. Uh, but broadly, um, people are, or the market seems to be valuing companies that make money and companies that, you know, have a real bank account there, as opposed to these companies that have this, this future potential growth, which is more of what a growth company is. You know, do you, so, your uh, listeners understand the difference between a growth and a value stock? 
why don't you know, explain it to us? Okay, well, well basically, uh, there's two ways to answer the question. And the question is, how do I make the most money in the stock market? Well, one way is, I just want to buy companies that are really growing. You know, I don't care if I pay a little too much for it because I want in three or four years to look back and say, boy, I bought it way back when. You know, even if I paid too much then, it now seems to be a good deal. It's like uh, housing in uh, in Palm Springs or something like that in the last year or so, or Santa Barbara. The other way to look for it is, I'm just looking for things that are cheap. If I could just buy stocks cheap enough, I know I'll make money. And that's a value investor. So a growth investor just wants to see things that are growing. They'll pay any price for it. Value investors are just looking for the thing that's the cheapest possible thing. Even if they have no idea how it's going to make more money in the future, they know they got a good buy it on it today. And, you know, and, and there's, you know, in, in a way, there's a third category that no one considers a category, but in a way it is, and that's tech growth stocks, where the ability to look at the future and see it as uh, unending. Um, you know, when you look at a growth stock um, and, you know, you look at some of the historical growth stocks, they make a product and you can make a judgment as to, you know, what that product's long-term viability will be. But when you're talking about some of these tech stocks, uh, you know, whether it's Meta and you say, you know, the world is going to be so different, it, it, perm it permits you to make up an estimate, no matter what the number is, you could say it makes sense. And, and that sort of uh, environment is where some people are getting caught up in mem stocks, but they're also being caught up in these very, very uh, uh, expensive tech stocks because they think the sky literally is the limit. True. And, you know, it, it always makes me think about, um, I have a partner who always likes to bring up the 2000.com bubble bursting and even companies like Cisco that were making money at that time took a considerable haircut during that time in the market and really having come back to their share prices of 2000, you know? And so that's what you need to be concerned with is making sure that the companies can sustain their stock price. So if Joe, if you look at the, the S&P uh, over the last 12 months, I don't know, 23, 24%, whatever the number was, um, isn't it hard to justify any type of stock picking? Uh, you know, why, why bother? Uh, you know, you look at some hedge funds and they say, we did pretty well this year, we're up 12%. And I'm thinking, you know, 12% uh, and locking me in for two years or whatever, I could have just invested in a Vanguard index fund. H how do you justify saying to a client, you know, here's what I like in terms of stocks as opposed to just buy an index fund? Well, I'll tell you what, there's, there are two warnings that, they, that our government has given to us that are very true. One of them is past performance is no indication of future results. And the other is cigarettes cause cancer. Both are true. And the past performance one speaks to the fact that anyone who is out there in the market and they get a, a, a hot hand, they could have a great run. And suddenly though, that run could end. And you just really can't predict what, how an investor is gonna do or a stock picker is gonna do based upon what it's done for the last 12 months. Uh, an index, does give you what the market performance is. And so rather than going out there and buying individual stocks, and I think this is what you're talking about, or hiring a hedge fund or someone who's had a hot recent streak, uh, you, you're taking risks that you don't necessarily understand when you do that. Uh, when you're taking and buying the index, at least you know you're just getting the market risk. And you know if the, if the market does well, you'll do well. And if the market's not doing well, well, there's always next year. 
And uh, the broad markets are, they, they reflect the growth of the economy as a whole. And as long as the economy is growing, these, the, the S&P is going to grow. Maybe not one for one, but over time, they, they, they will match up. You know, there was an interesting article today about ARC, which is the uh, uh, index fund that was created by this woman that is basically into 10 growth stocks that had the most fantastic performance over the last three years. And last year, it was a disaster. But what the article was really surprised me today is that her inflow is up this week. People are investing in it. So here we have somebody that was, you know, an evangelist about a uh, the concept of only buying these, you know, incredibly expensive tech stocks does very, very poorly after doing well, which is not surprising. And people are still putting money into it. When, once again, past performance, no indication of future returns. And she yeah. did. She had fantastic returns for a couple of years in there. Yeah. And then she fell flat on her face. Yeah. But people still are kind of really remembering those great returns. Um so but, do you, so if somebody, if your clients come to you and say, I want to invest in an index fund, do you d- dissuade them? No, we, we use, um, you know, our strategy is one where we, we have about half of our holdings are passively invested using an index. Uh, primarily that's in the value side of things. The other half is using active managers where they're, they are out there trying to beat the index and they're, they're, they've got a, a, enough of a track record that we can say, well, there's no guarantee of future returns, but at least we know how they're doing it, what they're thinking about, and why we can count on them to at least do a decent job for us and hopefully beat the market. Um, so, no, I, I think that index funds are excellent, very good tool to build an overall portfolio with. Well, because it's giving you the number one thing that you want is diversification. So you want to have a basket of stocks. And it's really a great, I think, uh, index funds are a great place for people to start, especially when they don't have a lot of money. They're able to get a broad-based diversification without taking concentrated risk in just one company. Yeah, It's funny because the definition of... of, of, uh not uh, putting all your eggs in one basket is partly about what industry they're in. But if you look at the covariance of stock performance over the last couple of years versus the last 50 years, there's been a very large uh, uh, decrease in dispersion. That means that uh, the amount of covariance has been limited and stocks tend to move together for the most part, with some exceptions. And so diversification is a lot more difficult to achieve than it used to be. Well, and and that's one of the reasons we use the diversification of strategies, and one being a passive strategy and one being an active strategy. Because as soon as, uh, you know, one of the arguments for why covariance is reduced is the fact that if everyone uh, indexes, then all stocks will move together. And if that becomes true, then the active manager will be able to, quote unquote, eat the lunch of the passive investor. And uh, so you, you, you need to be a foot in both camps, as far as I'm concerned. But by the way, that, that what you just said is very true. And it, it was what a lot of the original financial academics said back in the 50s and 60s. They said, you know, the efficient market theory was not what it appears to be for the casual viewer. It was about how when you have uh, millions of people doing research 
uh, you end up with an analysis that creates a true value. But if no one's doing research and everyone's investing in the same thing, then all of a sudden there are opportunities to beat the system. So the irony of it is more index funds means you can have a better chance as a stock picker than you would have otherwise. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back. For prospective home buyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the Kelly Marsh team.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. Hey, is that a faucet running? Nope, that's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. It is? Yeah, forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. The water comes straight from the forest to us. In fact... What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum! That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. How do trees clean the air? They soak up the dirty air on their leaves, branches, and trunks which means clean air for us. Hmm, cool. I didn't know that. Yep, but the forest does more than give us clean air and water. It gives us shade for hot days, birds to listen to, and trees to climb. Wow, that's awesome. I didn't know how cool the forest could be. Hey, let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by American Riviera Bank, making your life easier with cutting-edge technology, mobile deposits, free use of every ATM machine in the country, and a level of service other banks can only dream about. So, Joe, you know, what would you say, how do you, how do you see COVID continuing to affect our economy, and do you think that it's going to continue to be a drag on the overall economy um, moving forward? Well, it's it's fascinating because in some ways, you know, I, let me weigh my opinion down on first of all on, on ten thousand others' uh, opinions. Okay, but but that's the beauty say, of being the guest on the radio show. You can do that type of thing. That's that's nice. Uh, well, I, I see it as as kind of twofold. Number one, uh, hopefully we're at that point with this Omicron that it was that part of the the fireworks show where they all go off at once. You know, it's kind of the end of the show. Um, and it could be, could well be that uh, there's some kind of immunity that's that's uh, uh, we're getting closer to at this point. So maybe this is going to fade off. The thing that's going to be a residual perpetually is these trillions and trillions of dollars of infused cash into our economy. And so, if you take a look at what's happened from the pandemic, 
the pandemic um, opened up the floodgates for government spending. And even if those floodgates uh, have closed, there are buckets and buckets and buckets and pools and reservoirs of, of this money sitting all over in our economy still to this day. So I don't see that uh, if you take a, the, the great appraisal of what happened with this pandemic, when it's all said and done 10 years ago, 10 years from now, we're gonna look back and say that thing was a big boon to our economy that really exploded uh, the way this economy was, was operating. And part of that's the fact that we got this in inflation rate that we've literally, uh, the last 20 years before this, uh, people are wringing their hands at the Federal Reserve level and at the, the governmental level. How do we get above a 2% inflation uh, growth? We just don't know how to do it. And now we're here, of course, now we're worried this is gonna be a, a fire that gets out of control, which it could be for some time, but, but I think it'll settle right back down again. You know, we had, we had a guest last week who you know very well, uh, Dr. Rupert, who is the, um, I guess he's chair of the economic research Forecast forecasting. And, and I asked him a question and um, he looked at me like, you know, I was drinking something. So let me ask you that question to see what your reaction <laughs> is. Uh, you know, all these models for predicting the economy are based on in some form or another about the past, you know, and that what, you know, uh, logarithms or, uh, or, uh, you know, correlation analysis that you look at what happened in the past. My question was, what if the metaverse takes hold? What if, you know, the, the, the idea that, you know, people can live in, in, in a third dimension and not have to go out and talk to real people. Now, you know, I don't, I don't want to live in a world like that. But what happens if a lot of people, particularly those in the buying age, do? Are we going to be able to not only forecast economic uh, results, but uh, is the world going to change economically dramatically? So the idea of, you know, you buy a bunch of growth stocks and don't worry if, if the economy grows, everything will be fine, because we don't know what's going to happen if the people are living in a three-dimensional world. Uh, I think... I don't think you've been drinking. I think that's a great question. I, you know, honestly, I think that, uh, but the answer is, is not a very complex one from the standpoint that it's, it is the next, if that's what uh, the metaverse is the next version of change, there's going to be change that happens. And whether it's metaverse or it becomes that we all want to ride Pelotons like happened a year and a half ago, apparently. Um, we are constantly evolving. The economy is constantly going out there and trying to figure out what the next craving is for the human beings that, that it can sell things to. And that's the beauty of this capitalist uh, society that we live in, is it is constantly looking for the next answer. And is, you know, some of these growth stocks that are overpriced, some will be priced right. In fact, they'll be underpriced in retrospect. Most of them will be overpriced, okay? Because most people are probably wrong about what they're putting out there. Anyways, it's, it's the metaverse is, it, it will fuel some growth, most certainly. And then it'll cause some pain in other parts of the economy, but broadly, you're looking for that GDP growth to happen. And given certainly that uh, the metaverse will probably be dom probably will be domiciled in the United States, it'll be good for our economy. 
probably won't help the, the uh, fashion industry. People, you know, can get a sword and, and a costume uh, virtually. You're not going to have to buy anything. Well, no, you will buy it still, and they won't have to produce anything. You'll right. have to pay for it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you'll pay for it. The, the margins will just be greater. Yeah. You know, you'll get a Versace it, uh, filter. Yeah, how, did, how much did that purple cape cost you? Well, it was $100. <laughs> right. How much did it cost to make? Well, nothing. <laughs> yes. So in terms of um, hospitality, do you, do you see, or real, or in, or real estate for that matter, do you see COVID substantially changing how we live in terms of going out and going to work or, you know, what, what do you think is going to happen? Boy, I think one of the things about COVID is um, it's shown that people really like to get together and do stuff, you know? There's been a real demand. I mean, you know, recluses have kind of enjoyed it as a as a reason to stay home. But just this last week, I was up in Wyoming where there's a little less of a I'll call it less of a mask mask culture there. And I can tell you those bars were full. Um, the ski area was full. The the activity level was very high, and people were having a very good time together. And you could, you could tell it's, we have this natural inclination to get out and do things and enjoy other people. So I don't think that uh, there's going to be two years, three years, and four years post COVID. We probably will not see a big difference in where we're at. There will be a, a, a portion of the people that wear masks perpetually. And I've had some friends tell me I'll never get on an airplane again without a mask on. I like get arriving without a cold. And I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I'm one of those people. I think I might have been the one that said that because it's true. I, I used to always end up with a cold on the airplane. And so in terms, though, of uh, work productivity and where you've seen Arlington and working from home, do you think that that is going to be a systemic uh, change in the way as a culture we do business? What? I will tell you this, uh, the, the numbers are in and people are more efficient working from home. And so I think there's going to be some corporate cultures because if it, if in fact that bear has a long-term nature to it, those country companies that uh, embrace working from home or some kind of hybrid work environment will be more productive. And to the extent they're more productive, they'll have be able, have, be able to have lower costs and they'll be more competitive. And so I think there is going to be some kind of lasting change there. And towns that people want to live in, such as Santa Barbara, where they, if they can work from remotely, these types of places, whether it's you know Santa Barbara, Steamboat Springs, Cal Colorado, or Jackson, Wyoming, will always have a little higher um, real estate prices because of that, because they can draw across the nation. Right. Yeah. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9. And believe it or not, we'll be right back with our final segment.
For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the kellymarshteam.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service every day, every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us! American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. Here's good news. Now you can enjoy studio-quality sound on your devices from the station that talks about Santa Barbara any time of the day or night and from just about any place on the planet. Just say, hey, Alexa, play KZSB AM 1290 when you're at home or bookmark am1290kzsb.com on your Apple or Android devices and you've got streaming studio-quality sound anytime, anyplace from the Santa Barbara News Press Radio Station. Welcome back to Money Talk. Uh, <laughs> that's You're like, welcome back to Money Talk. Where am I? <laughs> Where am I? Well, if you've You're... been listening, we, we have managing partner Joe Wiley <laughs> on with us today. And so, Joe, let's take a moment and talk a little bit about Arlington Financial Advisors. What's new going on over at our firm? And what would you like to share with everybody? Oh, wow. That's a... That's a good question. You know, our, our big news is Arlington Corner is expanding, okay? If you've ever been in the corner of De La Guerra and Anna Kappa, it's the heart of town. If you, and in fact, if you're not, if you're curious as to where we're located, just go to Google Earth, type in Santa Barbara, California, and zoom in on the little blue dot. You'll eventually get right onto the San, uh, Arlington Financial Advisors as we're in the center of town. But we've just uh, taken over the building next door to us uh, for, for expansion to to hold a little bit more room for our our staff. Which uh, makes a lot of sense since no one's going to work. I think it does show a good investment acumen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, Tell I, everybody I about the, the building that we took over because it is it does have special <laughs> historical significance here in Santa Barbara. Yeah, yeah my therapist a, used to have an office there. It's the old Santiago de la Guerra Adobe, which is like the ninth oldest building in the state of California. So the rumor that you were going to build a 10-story glass office building there is not true. No, we're not going to knock over a, a building built in 1812. We, we debated it. We thought that might, we, we ran up on landmarks and uh, uh commission, and they said they're totally good with it. But we thought, we don't like that idea. We want to preserve Santa Barbara as it is. That's very good. Good. 
<laughs> okay, I can't even come up with questions because I'm laughing too hard. <laughs> so, no, no. The, 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 the current current things going on in, in uh, Arlington Financial Advisors, we're in the first quarter. And our first quarter is where we sit down with every one of our clients and we take a look at uh, their net worth and we compare it to where they were last year at this time and just make sure they're making progress towards their goals. One of the things that uh, Neil mentioned earlier is, is, is the way people invest. And people, when they think about investing, they think about gains and losses in their portfolio. And that kind of keeps them for, focused on the short term. And so our focus is more of a long term. How do we make sure that every single one of the people that walk in the front door of our building and becomes a client, how do we make sure they achieve their goals? Well, one is we, every single year, we make sure that we have an objective measure of where they are today. So next year, when we look at where they are, what did, what happened? So we're taking a look at everyone's net worth today. We know where they were last year, the year before in the first quarter, the year before that. And we can objectively measure saying, yes, you are either making progress towards your goal or you're not making progress to your goals. If you're not, what do we have to change now? If you are, is it as much progress as we would expect in a year like this? And so we have, uh, so that's really what's going on at Arlington right now is it's it's uh, net worth season, so to speak. And how much help do you give clients, not just looking at their goals, but helping them to actually establish goals that make sense for them? You I know, people come in and say, I want to be rich. What does that mean? Or I want a lot of money, but you're 85 years old. Why do you want a lot of money? I mean, th- sometimes people don't really understand what their goals should be. It's That's a fact. And some people... Uh, feel like they, they'll set goals for themselves that really don't achieve what, what will be meaningful for them in their lives, okay? Or what is a large amount of money? Everyone knows that to be a millionaire today is, is not that much money. But what about being a four millionaire? Is that a lot of money? It's, it's, we have to have a realistic uh, appraisal. And it's really difficult to do that for yourself because I can tell you this, as people become more and more successful, they don't feel like anything has changed. Although we can objectively show and measure and tell them that, no, no, things have really changed. You are now, you've crossed the $5 million mark. And that actually fundamentally shifts your need to work on a daily basis. Well, Joe, thank you so much. You've been a great guest as always. Uh, Diane, it's also been good talking to you. And we'd like to thank everyone for listening. You've been listening to Money Talk, and we'll see you all next week. (laughs) 